Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And it's all getting a bit exciting in the MLS playoff race. The Whitecaps are nearly there. They're nearly officially in their first post-season since 2017. It's a case of slowly, slowly catchy monkey though because they're just inching towards that that final line and making sure that they're above it. We're going to cover all of that. We're going to cover the MLS playoff race. We're going to have a look over the landscape in the Canadian Premier League and some of the other big talking points in Canadian soccer. And we're also going to give an update and chat a little bit more about the Whitecaps abuse scandal that we talked about in the last episode. So a lot to cover. We're going to get into all that shortly, but we're going to start off, before we get into the heavy stuff, we're going to get into some fun. We're going to keep opening the gift that keeps on giving although maybe only for another four shows, because that's all the packs that we have left. It's Steve Pander's Christmas present to us from last year, the 2011 Upper Deck Trading Card Pack. We're opening a pack a week. As I said, we've only got four packs to go. Let's get straight into this week's pack, see what we've got. Ah, Love that noise. Right, let's rattle through this. Oh, I am starting with a a wrestling reference, I I can say, for Steve. Mm. It's all about the boom. Oh, Adam Cole. Joe Cannon. Oh, I thought you were going to kill. I thought somebody last name, I thought Ashley Cole, but he wasn't there in 25. Yeah. If we can go back in a time machine, we can do, it's all about the boom. Michael, my first card is a card I think you got a couple weeks ago. It's the Philadelphia Independence, Amy Rodriguez. Oh, well, I have a lady next as well, and it's a WPS Super Draft card, Sinead Farrelly. Ah, do you recognize that name? Uh, No, the only Sinead I know is Sinead O'Connor. You might, yeah. I believe that is one of the uh, main people mentioned in the latest... Oh yes, yeah, like the Paul Paul Riley. Paul Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah scandal. That's a, uh, that's ring a bell. It did ring a bell when you said the name. 
My next guard, Michael, is midfield. You got him a couple weeks ago as well. Midfielder from the Los Angeles Galaxy, Juninho. Nice. Well, I've got another goalkeeper here. Chivas. It's Zach Thornton. Oh, nice. I don't think I have him. For me, I have a uh, forward from the Revolution of New England. It is Zach Shilwalski. FC Dallas, former white cap. Shayna, Shayna, oh. it's Bray. That's Shay Salinas' song you're using for Breck Shay? Yeah. That's brutal. Some might say the sunshine follows. Ooh. Didn't, didn't one of you guys already get one of those cards? The, I, 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 I have, yeah, I have I that one. Zach has the Shay. Um, I have both the Shays. Um, I have. You got this guy also a couple weeks ago. This is midfielder from the Philadelphia Union, but wearing his Columbus Crew kit, it's Brian Carroll. Oh, well, I also have a Columbus Crew guy that I don't know if he's in your team, and if he's not, I might even stick him in mine. Legend of MLS, Chad oh, Marshall. Oh, no! I do not have him, and you should oh. definitely have him in. I have uh, another Columbus Crew member who you added to your team last week, striker Jeff Cunningham. And my last card, Houston Dynamo. Who? Houston Dynamo. Who? Dominic Oduro. Nice. I don't know if this is the Ooh, first time. This is, yeah, I don't know if this is the first time this has happened or not. But uh, I have as my last card, the, the some might call him the goat keeper, Zach Thornton. Oh. You just you had him already, right, Tony? Yeah, which throws out my theory of all these packs are the same. No, no, they're not exactly the mm. same. Interesting. I think these are all new for me again. I'll tell you in a moment. I think mine's all are as well. But we'll we'll recap our teams on the next show because I just want to get into the stuff because we've got so much to do. And that was the lighthearted bit for this part. We've now got to get to the heavy bit in this part. And there's there's no easy way to segue to it. So we want to kick things off in this episode with what has happened since our last show with regard to the abuse allegations levelled at the, the Whitecaps, former head coach uh, Busby Jr. Um, we talked a lot about it in the last show, but it's been a very fast-moving story. So so we'll give you some recaps as to exactly what has happened in the past week, which, of course, most of you listening to the show will know. But, I mean, it, it took... Some pretty big developments since we last spoke. Axel Schuster held an all-staff meeting on Friday, and by all accounts, it was quite heated. Uh, some of the feedback I've had from folk that were at it was Axel kind of just went off, was a, a bit rambling and all over the place, and in short, absolutely furious. Um, said, look, if this isn't sorted properly, he'll just go. He'll go back to the Bundesliga or go back to Germany. So this is how serious that he has taken it. Everyone was waiting for an announcement from the Whitecaps. JJ Adams was camped out at UBC. Full play to to JJ for doing that. I I joked with him that he's probably going to be there to 4.30 and they'll push it out at the last minute. I was wrong. It was about 5 o'clock before anything came out. And it was actually MLS that issued the statement first of all. Um, Their statement, I'll just quickly read it, said... The MLS will engage an independent council to oversee a thorough investigation into how the Vancouver Whitecaps organisation handled allegations of misconduct brought by members of the Whitecaps women's team in 2011 
against their former coach, Hubert Busby Jr. The investigation will include a review of the club's internal processes and overall culture at the time, as well as recommendations on preventative measures to ensure that all players and staff under the Whitecaps organisation umbrella work in a safe environment, free of all forms of harassment and fear of retaliation. The league and club will publicly release the findings and recommendations of the investigation. And now that's something that needed to be said. And I think I agree that the MLS should have been the ones that put that statement out first. And I think, I think a lot of people were surprised it was MLS, but it should have been considering the, I I think if the Whitecaps had said something first, nobody would have believed them and it wouldn't have had any kind of impact. So uh, like, although I believe the MLS should have taken part in that previous investigation, and I hope they look into that as well. Yeah, I now and, this hasn't been confirmed. This is my speculation on this that they feel they can get involved now because in 2011 the Whitecaps were an MLS team, so they were under their jurisdiction. But oh, okay. back in 2008 they weren't, even though it was the same executive. So I, I feel they could have had jurisdiction to but, to look at that there but what, now they definitely do when did the talks to become an mls team take place did that start in 2009 i think okay so that's a little bit i was yeah. hoping it was 2008 that it could have included that as well no michael michael you're 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 wrong you're right on that they didn't yeah. engage that makes sense. 2008 because they, they weren't an mls club at the time but my understanding uh i believe a couple of people have told me that mls has expressed to vancouver how they have not been happy with how that was handled. And I mean, the one that it happened period or went down period and two, how it was handled, um, you know, a- afterward. Um, so, yeah, I think there, as soon as this was something during the time that the organization was a part of their organization, I don't think they were going to let, give the Whitecaps another chance no, to oversee yeah, yeah. what's going on. Which was great to see actually. And like, I know MLS get a lot of stick. We give them a lot of stick, but they stepped in quickly. I can imagine that Garber was furious because there has been lots of rumours over the last couple of years that MLS are not happy with the Whitecaps' ownership, the direction of the club. Garber's publicly said, called Vancouver out as one of the clubs that needs to invest more and do more. And then you've got all these off-the-field scandals that's just kind of... Side-track. Keep piling up. Oh, it's just, I mean, this is the fourth allegation and we've had players involved with court cases and domestic abuse situations and a whole host of other things and it's just and it's there, all quite unsavory and then there's minor ones too that's the thing there's yeah. minor ones that that maybe don't uh get like uh um like the Re- nigel Rio coker situation that wasn't a yep. scandal or anything but it was embarrassing mm-hmm. if, if the story that came out uh there's some stuff in the in the lower leagues that came out too like uh um missing shoes and stuff like that those kind of things, like that kind of stuff, piles up, and and it just makes the 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 the, the club look just as bad as like we, even with the big scandals. It just it keeps like it's piling up where they can't get dig themselves out. And then Axel Schuster came up with a, a statement too. Well, the Whitecaps did, but it was really Axel speaking, right? Yeah, because I mean, he said in his statement, "We are committed to cooperating with that review so that we may understand what potential failings occurred." and ensure something like this never happens again. The findings and recommendations of that review will be made public. Any current members of the executive team who are involved in these matters have been placed on administrative leave while we implement next steps in this review. 
We vow to work diligently to foster a culture that fully protects our players and employees and puts their safety and well-being above all else. And I, I fully believe that is what him and the club want to do and strive to do going forward. I, I don't think he's being disingenuous here at all. He is so not happy with this and he's the face of the club just now as well. And... I mean, he's done a lot of interviews. We could have tried to get a a chat with him for this show as well. But he's saying the same things and there's not much he can really say because of the investigation. So it kind of defeats the purpose to to have him on just saying the same stuff again. Now, there's a lot of questions come out of these two statements and the the fast-moving basis of all of this. Who exactly has gone on administration leave and are they getting paid? Well, yeah, usually when you're put on administration paid at leave, you do get paid. Why did it take MLS getting involved for these executives to, to be suspended? And that's a that's a valid question well, because why were they not put on administrative leave when they did the 2008 investigation? Well, do we do you want to do you want to go over these each one one by one or yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know about the first one, but the second one, why why are these people on administration leave? I think maybe MLS told them if they're leading the investigation, maybe they told them these guys cannot be associated with the club at this point. There's been a bit of confusion about that. And it, it seems to be like in more some of the more recent things that Axel said, he's kind of indicated that it's the white caps that have placed them. On administrative leave, but well, it probably you know, he said he said the investigators they, want. Oh no, that's the name. The investigators don't want them named, right? Because if the names are out there, then what Axel is saying is the investigators are saying they might not be so cooperative with the investigation, which is right. kind of baffling to me. And I mean, let's be honest, you don't have to be much of an internet sleuth to work out what members of the executive committee were involved in 2011 and are now. And and there's five names. And we, we won't list the, the fifth one because it was a finance guy. But everyone knows it's Bobby Lenarduzzi, Dan Lenarduzzi, Rachel Lewis and Greg Anderson. Now, what I've been led to, to believe from speaking to someone today is not all four of them have been placed on administrative leave as of yet. And that ties in with something that Axel said where he said, a number have been and more could get added to it. So everyone's thinking, oh, it's those four. Don't be so sure about that. But Axel also did say that he might have a bit more that he can say about that within the next week. He said that on, on TSN last night. Uh, it's it's just a, a, a mess. A lot of people worry that there might be a bit of a whitewash in this. No white puns intended but that MLS will do the investigation and then come out and say yep new procedures are in place following the 2008 incident and that we feel it's a safe working environment etc etc but but that's not but that's not what's at play here right they they can say that yeah they made some changes the issue is what happened in 2011 yeah there's two separate issues here but if you read MLS's statement they're focusing on they want to make sure that nothing like this happens again. So it's whether heads will roll for what happened in 2011. We've spoken before, depending on what comes out of the Barada court case, heads could roll for that as well. And you you just don't know what is going to come out in court 
if it ever gets its day in court, the way that things are going. But there's a lot of challenges for the Whitecaps right now. And one of them is, how do you, and we touched on this in the last show, how do you reassure parents right now that it's a safe environment for them to put their children in? Because I've had a couple of parents get in touch with me with concerns. Yeah, I had a I had a family who was looking to enroll their kid. Um, my wife said, hey, do you know this, this family we know is, their kid might enter the, the Whitecaps and was like, okay, how much should we tell them? And what, like, you know, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my, I mean, I, I, well, obviously, the only I, thing I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. The only thing you could do is give them the information and see, let them make their own decision. You can't like, it's got, but the, that's the thing about this. Like you could say 20, 2008, 2011. And then when was it? 2016, the residency program. Uh, they got, you could couple that in there. And does that come out eventually where they, the MLS again has to do an investigation? I, know. I just want the MLS to do an investigation on everything that's going on right now with, yep. within the club. It should encompass um, everything. Yeah, at this point. Like, it, it, sh- it should encompass, they should see. But it won't, ha- will it? it, it no, they, no. They and invested- it let it, well, we say no, but you don't know what it might end up starting to throw up here. Yeah, because the thing is, the investigation, they could say 2011, and then if they talk about 2008, they could bring that, like, they can they can bring other things up and show that there is a pattern, that this is, keeps happening. And it's just a matter of maybe there hasn't been an incident in since uh, 2015 or 2016 when the last one happened, and that they uh the, that that can be covered up and so but they are showing a pattern from 2008 2011 to 2015 16 that shows that there is a pattern and then these people should not be in charge of an organization within mls they could easily say that kind of thing me personally i just can't believe that some of these people have not stepped down on their own at this point after all these kind of failings like and- it's it's amazing to me that these people have not stepped down but here's the this is and this is a, a bigger question which i asked on twitter is the reason they haven't stepped down, Steve, is because they've been protected. I know, I like, know that. Like but- my my, pers- my what I've been told many times by different people, different, uh, yeah, different eras during this big MLS era, is that Kerfoot has protected these people. Yeah, Kerfoot has protected his people and kept them where they are, despite a number of different failings. These ones we're talking about now, and various others that relate to football matters. And he has protected them. And so how is how how can he also not be found culpable? I, if it's I, true, if that's true, yeah. how can he not be held accountable and, for that as well? And if that does come out in the investigation, honestly, at this point, there should be a calling to get a new owner. Yeah. But the, the, because they did it with RSL last year. Yeah. And, I, I, and it's 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 while it is not the same circumstance, it's it's almost at the same level, maybe in different uh, pillars. But not at the, but definitely at the same level of of. of we don't have to talk bad. about the pillars again, do we? No, I no. I, I but, thought I'd bring that up, but 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 basically the, the it's basically at the same level. Yeah, it might be different thing, different subjects and different things, but I I don't see a difference between the two. And I think I I personally think, while I'm not downgrading the the Black Lives Matter program, but abuse and potentially putting children in danger, I feel is more. Because, because that essentially that's a that's a more of a subject, but this is actually something happening within the organization. There's, it wasn't that, that was somebody making a comment about it or something, but this is yeah. actually something happening. So for me, this is even more dangerous. It's it's the kind of thing though that the Whitecaps 
had worked hard on the pitch to kind of start to turn people's opinions around about the team. I I really, well, obviously you feel for all the women and everyone that's impacted in this, but I feel for Vanny Sartini and the players just now who have got this distraction going on in the background while they're trying to do what they're there to do and yeah. they don't need it. And the the reputation of the Whitecaps in this city and beyond is shot. And what does it take to to get that back? Does an investigation do that on its own? No. You need you need accountability. Yeah. You do need heads to roll. And it might take new ownership so that people think, oh, fresh broom, fresh start. And yeah. that might be what it takes. And the thing is, for me, I know you feel for Svani Sartini and the players. I don't. Honestly, I don't. It doesn't make a difference to me that this is a distraction or not. Uh, this is something that's more important than game being games. Being oh yeah, no, it, I mean it is, but but so just... I so that that thought doesn't even cross my mind. Like if they, I I don't see they're professional players. They should be able to play without this being a distraction. But even if it is, I like what can you do when something like this has been um, like buried in the you know in in the files for so long. You you. Eventually, it's going to come out and it's going to affect the players, but you never know. And it's just, but I'm kind of glad this actually, I was thinking to myself, this should have came out back into like when the 2008 stuff happened, but I'm kind of glad it didn't know because now there is more people paying attention to this kind of stuff. And it, it, who knows, it could have got buried with everything in 2008. It, it yeah. might not have been because this, this, all this information came up in Kyra McCormick's uh, um, blog back then, the 2011 stuff, but nobody, yeah. but unfortunately, the, um, the uh, the victim uh, did not want to come out at that time, probably, and wasn't comfortable coming out. And so I'm glad she came out now, and she was able to come out with the NWSL stuff and the Blackhawk stuff and all, everything else. And this has put another black eye on the Whitecaps. And, if, and so I'm glad it kind of got spread out because if it didn't, then we it might have got like you know shoved in with everything else. And it it does make you wonder and worry. What else is out there from people that haven't come forward as well? Yeah. And that, like, not even just within the Whitecaps, but just within soccer and sport, and we touched on this in the last show, it just seems so widespread. And that there was a, a story that came out tonight about the 100-metre runner de Grasse's coach that's now something's linked with them and abuse allegations and stuff. So it's very widespread. But, I mean, there's still so many questions, and Axel's been doing a lot of the media rounds. He spoke to our, our good friend Har, who did a piece for Equalizer.com. Um, he explained that they're, they... And he told Megan Johnson at TSN as well, as well that they don't want to put the names out there just now because they don't want to make it complicated to reach out to these people and to get their cooperation. And like I said, I, I find that weird. But... He said, you're not putting somebody on administrative leave just to welcome them back in two weeks and give them a promotion. It's a very serious thing that we're doing here. I wasn't here. I don't have all the information. And I want to always make my decisions based on all the information that is available. At the end of that, that will lead to a decision. Now, MLS said in its announcement that they'll publicly release all the findings and recommendations. And Axel said it's important to point out that MLS is selecting the investigator. It's completely out of the Whitecaps' hands. 
We have nothing to say. An investigation is not with us, for us. It is one against us. Now, there's so much going on. Something else which I was told is that the Whitecaps had hired a, a PR firm to try and handle all this as well. And if that is the case, it's not going well for them because some of Axel's media stuff's been quite all over the place. And he he spoke to Martin McMahon at City News on Tuesday and he told Martin that he has the authority to get rid of whoever he feels has to take responsibility for any wrongdoings or mismanagement. And he said he wanted to have that backup from ownership that he can do it his way and think, right, I can take these decisions at the end and I think that they are right. And that's all we can hope for at this point is that if if Axel says this person needs to go or these people need to go and the investigation points, yep, these people need to go, then they go and we start building and we get all the facts out there. Now, also on Tuesday... The Jamaican Football Federation suspended Busby as their head coach pending the outcome of the the whole investigation. Now, Michael Ricketts, the president of the Jamaica Football Federation, said, We do not want to make permanent decisions until we have the facts. At the same time, we have to ensure that our women and girls are protected by those who lead them. Now, we all want this to be done quickly. And it needs to be done quickly. And there's a lot of things hanging around and people can't move forward. But at the same time, it has to be done right. So I don't want this rushed and it's not done correctly. I think we all need to have patience here and just let this run its course. But it does also need to get done in in as timely a manner as possible, really. Yeah, and if you look at the recent investigation with the Blackhawks, I believe that took about two to three months, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Uh, But it was about three months of investigation. Um, and so, and they had, that was the same similar time period. It happened in 2011. So, um, because it, it takes a while to get all the information in and contact everybody and get as much. And I hope, I hope they take that much time. I have no problem yeah. with them taking that much time, um, and, and figuring out what needs to be done. Uh, especially if it's the, the, the one thing I would like to the investigate, I hope it's the same investigator. That would be ideal because then uh, we can really get to the bottom of it but it might be a thing where because he's an american and this is a canadian club that they might have to they might not be able to bring it because i think it was a u.s federal prosecutor before that did the investigation for the blackhawks so Mm. um, but i would like him to even talk to like i said i want it all encompassing i want the 2015 thing in there i want the 2011 thing in there i want the 2008 thing in there just to show that there is a pattern and and i hope they talk to that original uh, ombudsman or ombudswoman yeah. that, that dealt with that first thing to yeah, see. Well, I mean, yeah, so that, many folk that well, she can't talk because of an NDA and stuff that's been signed apparently as well. well obviously, I well, guess she could what, talk to another investigator, but so I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that comes out in this, and it's just a case. I'm preaching patience for everyone. We want this done properly. We want to actually get a, a conclusion that is satisfactory to everyone that's involved and most importantly to all the women that's that's been affected in this as well. Let's move on to, to more pleasing things to talk about. The Whitecaps pushing for a spot in the MLS playoffs. We'll be back chatting about all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And it's a new month, and you know what that means. It's a new Artist of the Month here at AFTN. And I said in the last show that I've picked this month's Artist of the Month in homage to Jersey boy, Brian White, who's been lighting it up for the Whitecaps this year. So I've gone with a Jersey band. They are Jersey's premier xylophone garage punk band from Jersey City. They're called Crazy in the Brains. And that was the title track from their 2013 debut album, Let Me Go. So we'll have a lot more songs coming up from Crazy in the Brains over the course of this month, including another one in this episode. So stay tuned for that. I'll tell you what else is crazy just now, and it's really messing with the brain. And that is the MLS playoff race in the West. The East's exciting, I guess, as well. But we don't care about the East. We're only wanting to focus on the MLS West. It's always been called the Wild Wild West, and it's certainly living up to its name this season. Before we get into the Whitecaps' latest game, we'll give you a recap as to what had happened in the build-up to that. So the action started on Saturday. San Jose went to RSL, and they shocked a home side with a 4-3 win. RSL led early, San Jose came storming back and then they led 4-1 before RSL then came back themselves and almost salvaged a point but ended up going down 4-3. Huge opportunity lost by RSL, three massive points dropped by RSL and that's not the first time we're going to say that in this episode. Now that kept RSL below the playoff line and at that point kept the Whitecaps in fifth. Now level on games played with RSL, but two points ahead. So that was a good Saturday. Sunday, though, didn't start as good. Johnny Russell let me down. I'm, I'm not mad with him. I, I, I feel he's let himself down, his team down, and, and me down by not continuing his fantastic scoring record. But KC, they took a lead in the eighth minute at Minnesota through Kyrie Shelton, but then the home side battled back, battled for their playoff lives. A Frajapani goal and a Renezo penalty saw Minnesota lead 2-1 at half-time, and that was how it finished. Now that win moved Minnesota one point ahead of Vancouver, dropping the Caps to sixth, but with a game in hand coming up on Tuesday. (laughs) 
Is it possible this is the only game of Johnny Russell that Steve Clark watched? <laughs> Maybe it was. Maybe that is why he hasn't made it into the Scotland team. I, I genuinely don't know how a guy that scored nine goals in eight games can't get back into the international scene. But anyway, don't start me on that rant. I already went on that on Twitter. Let's get to Monday. Now, we were forced to cheer on Seattle. I don't ask much of the Sounders. Just that they lose every single game, apart from the ones that help the Whitecaps out. And to be fair, over the years, they've let me down time and time again. And they did so again on Monday. They didn't lose, but they didn't beat LA Galaxy, which is really what we're wanting. It was a one all draw in the end. Chicharito had given LA the half-time lead, which the commentators described as a galazza. He flicked his foot out and it went in. This word is so overused. It's like not every single goal is a galazza or a galazzo. And it's like, come on, keep them for the long-range shots or goals for Scottish people. But yeah, Chicharito had given LA the lead at half-time. Rui Diaz replied from the spot. They sat the second half the Sounders. Cheeky Penenka. Yeah, I hate Penenkas. And in a game like that, that's ballsy to do that. And if he had missed, oh... Who who wouldn't want Raul Ruiz Diaz on their team? I know. Who who wouldn't? I can't think of anyone. The Sounders hit the bar in stoppage time. Although LA then nearly countered and went straight up the field and got the winner. So it was a dramatic stoppage time. Yeah. But a big result for LA to get a point there. It moved them level in points with the Whitecaps. But going above them in the standings because of the tiebreaker of wins. And that meant that the Caps headed in to the game against LAFC on Tuesday in seventh and holding on above that playoff line like me in a swimming pool because I can't swim desperate to stay afloat so Tuesday night it set it up if the Caps won they were in the playoffs could they do it? well we obviously know the answer was no but they did get a point and let's get into that game now so it was two teams battling for their playoff lives LFC headed into this one unbeaten in five. The Caps were unbeaten in four. Just one loss in nine, two losses in 20. I've had fear going to Bank of California Stadium after those two horrific six-goal games, but I felt that they could go and get something from this. In the end, they were maybe fortunate to, to come away with a point. What's your overall thoughts on it, Steve? How, how do you feel about this game? I think they, uh, I think they probably, I think they probably had those fears in their in their system, in their uh, mindset, and that's probably why, after getting that, I think it was their first ever goal in the first fifteen minutes this year. Possibly, yeah, I can't remember. Time, if they did that a time to get it. Yeah, so um, I think uh, once that goal went in, I think they just like reverted back to just holding on because. But I wish they had that confidence continuing in their game. But maybe sitting back helped them out. But geez, Mike Max Crapo is the man. Like he's oh. the reason why they're in that game. There's no other reason for that. And if he's not the MVP, I, I yeah. really want to know who voted for somebody else. T- ten saves o- on the night, and I mean there was times in that game, Zach, that the Whitecaps were under siege, but they they held on, they saw it out, and we've seen Whitecaps teams in the past that would have crumbled. Yeah, I mean. 
I mean, they, they, they kind of brought it on themselves because they began to sit deeper and yeah, deeper. They, and got, deeper. Yeah. They, they were so deep that they said hi to Carl Robinson down in Australia. Oh, my. Um, yeah, so they, it, 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 they're really, I think they they were unfortunate to give away a goal when they did, obviously. But they, they did also kind of bring it on themselves. Um, I, I agree with you guys that I think the scoring so early was maybe a little bit hard for them, their mentality, right? They're just their, how they how they play the game. Well, I mean, um, I, I was calling for the whistle after that. I had 75 minutes of me sitting here going, blow, Rev, blow! Um, but, I mean, ultimately, in the end, although they battled, although they fought, uh, I, I felt they were a little bit fortunate. The chances that LAFC didn't take, that they created, that were on offer, really should have seen them collect all three points in what we talked about in the last episode, I think, was a, a, as much a must-win game for them as it was for Vancouver. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let, let's get into the action. LA started the strongest. The Caps kept them to long-range shots. But the opening goal, I mean, it was against the run of play, but it was a nice move by the White Caps. Brown and Gold kind of combined to pick the ball from the LA player just inside the White Caps half. Gold drove a little bit forward with it, but then played in white, who centered it to Dahomey, and the, the ball went behind him, and I thought the chance was lost, and Dahomey showed some nice footwork. He got a little bit of a of a break, Steve, as well, by some poor LAFC defending. Yeah. I mean, he took the goal well, and he did everything right. This is the classic FIFA 21 goal, where or 22 goal or whatever, where you like uh, uh, square the ball off and you clip it past the defender and it'd be open in the middle of the box. That that's what I saw right when I saw that. That's that's FIFA 21 right there. Somebody <laughs> pressing the right buttons. Um, but yeah, uh, it was like you said against the run of play, but it was good setup and people in the right spots and basically your um, bad yeah poor defending for sure. Yeah, uh, and that's something you expect from LAFC. But yeah. but Dahomey with a great like stop of the ball, clipping it backwards, and then just having a free shot in that it was a, a perfect finish, and that they needed that goal to start the, off with. The confidence act from from Dahomey there to finish that, and everything about it was nice. The the pick, the pass from Gold, White having that sense to cut it back. It it was just perfection. At that point, I'm like, oh, they're gonna do this. They're gonna do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I was working, so I I watched the game after work in its in its entirety. I made the mistake of texting someone in the football com- community, not about the not about the game, about something completely else, and they sent me a reply, not describing what had happened, but describe uh, you know talking something else that made me believe that Vancouver had won this game. So oh. as I was watching, I thought, oh, they won, and so they score 15 minutes in. And you're right, it was a uh, like really like just a, a good quality heads up smart intelligent play by all the Whitecaps from an LAFC perspective from the goats uh, for me the only thing worse on the night for them other than their finishing was Ariaga I think his name is number twenty five because oh. he was he was horrendous yeah. his his challenge on that play was horrendous it was. he made a number he made a number of other bad plays in the game um, but although had a but, big part to play in their goal so I guess. Yeah, a, a Ryan goal, but who will come to? I think was the oh, worst player on the night. For, he was the big, he was the big goat, and not yeah. not the greatest of all time. No, and the form that he's been in is incredible. But that goal by Dahomey took him to ten in yeah. the season. Now, First time since twenty eleven. I said 
in our preview show, I had a bold call. I said that we would have two players hit double figures. I did say Cavallini and Dahomey, but at least I got one of them right. And so nice to see. And I mean, it, it would be a stretch if maybe Caicedo hits five against Seattle to to win the Cascadia Cup, get to double figures as well. But I wouldn't write that off. Well, yeah, maybe I would. Maybe it's been a bit optimistic. But yeah, after that, Ellie turned up the pressure. As Zach said, the Whitecaps got deeper and deeper and deeper. And it looked like they, like they were bending, but they weren't breaking. And it looked like they were going to get into halftime with that lead. And you don't know what that would have done for them mindset-wise if that had been the case. But they gave up a goal, two minutes into stoppage time. It was given on video review correctly because it, it did come off Jungworth who sticks his, his leg out. But the ball that came in initially from Ibiaga, he was in so much space. And the, the Whitecats were just all crowded together like an under-10 team in the box, just with no space between them at all. It was a disappointing goal to give up, but it was no less than Danelli deserved, Steve. Yeah, and, and you know, some of those shots they had before, like the, the one where Cripple was kind of caught off guard and had to kick out his foot to stop it, that easily could have gone in. Um, there were a couple other ones. So, yeah, the, the, the shot definitely was worthy of a goal. And, and Youngworth is probably a little bit lucky that it was went off the LAC player because it could have been considered a uh, own goal because it was heading in the net, even on the, off the deflection. So, um Nothing that could be done. You wish they could have. I don't know how three minutes got added on to the first half. I don't recall any big stoppages. Maybe there was one big one. You guys can remind me. But um, I don't know how three minutes got added on first half mm. when rarely ever three minutes. You barely just get a minute added on to the first half. I can't remember. If, were the Whitecaps killing time in the in the first half? I don't Br- remember. Brown got a knock. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, he got some attention. Yeah, so then maybe that's what that. it is. But even then, three minutes is rarely added on. Mm. I, I'll admit, I was worried for the second half because we've seen LAFC at home. We've seen what they can do when they've got confidence and they've got the crowd behind them. And a draw for them really didn't help them. They, they needed the three points and they went for it in the, the second half. I was, I was in Sir Michael because, yeah, you, you knew... Even though he was coming back to to match fitness, they have Vela sitting on the bench. Yeah. And I, I I tweeted this out, and it's the old cliche, but it's so true. Like the best form of defense is attack. The Whitecaps just had to get the ball forward. They had to take the pressure off the defense, take it to the corner flags. Even if you're not doing much with it, just give them some respite and try and keep hold of the ball, pass it around switch wings, do anything like that. And I don't know whether it was that LAFC were just pressing really good and keeping the pressure on and not allowing the Whitecaps to get it out, or if the Whitecaps were just thinking, no, we can soak this up, it's all good, we're we're good at, at defending. But LAFC missed a load of chances. Arango, the, the worst of all. The, the Whitecaps, though, had a chance to win it when Caicedo was played in and he's running in on goal and I think he was just caught in two minds and Blackman was coming out and 
they, they, they keep it easily smothered it, but you expect Caicedo to do so much better there. And, I mean, it could that could still be the difference between the Whitecaps making the playoffs or not, depending how the games play out, but it was a, it was a tough one. Yeah, Caicedo had one chance, def- definite chance, but there were a couple other times when he got forward and he just couldn't get the ball yeah. into the box. He had Cavallini in the box and everything. He just couldn't make the move. Yeah, because so, yeah. s- someone said about that other one, oh, he was going forward and he looked up and he mustn't have liked what he'd seen in the middle. And it's like, yeah, of course he didn't. It was Cavallini. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you play the ball to him? But... Yeah, and even yeah. even Cavallini had a couple of chances where he just couldn't get his foot oh, he on just the looks, ball. He just looks it, off it. Just yeah. Yeah, I he's bet a striker he, with no confidence at this point. Maybe, maybe he knows that he's not being called into the Canada squad. And well, the thing is, I, I think it says a lot about where Cavallini's standing is right now. When a, a win gets you into the postseason, and you're wanting some fresh legs on to run at the LAFC defense, it's going to leave gaps because they're pushing for the winner. And he's the last sub that comes on. He's your six million dollar man but you've got other guys coming on ahead of him. So his standing in the squad and the picking order just now is way down. But LFC could and should have won it in stoppage time. Beautiful ball in. I think it was Rodriguez that sent it in. And I don't know how Arango did not connect with it. But I was like, no! Yeah, there was there was a quite a few chances. Like like we said, talked about before, Crepo. Like, which save would you say is the say, their their nomination for save of the week? Because he has so many options. For me, there. it was, and I can't remember if this was from Arango or if it was from Rodriguez. But it it was one. It was hidden for the the postage stamp corner, and Max just yeah twists his and that, body and tips and, it past. And I saw the highlights on 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 YouTube, and that save didn't even make the highlights. <laughs> they didn't even it wasn't even really so, yeah. So it was it was uh, interesting how they selected which because they probably just ran out of time in figuring out where to put everything. It's probably difficult to. They could have put seven minutes of just saves at that point. I, I watched a a fun thing on Sky Sports News today because Will Ferrell was doing some commentary in the second half, and they actually showed that clip um, of, of that save as he describes Vanny Sartini as Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean. Yeah. Well, did you see Sartini put it on his Instagram? Oh, no. Yeah, Sartini's like, this is one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> I love Will. Will, if you want me to put me in a movie, let me know. Oh, man. Every week that goes by, I just love Vanny even more. I was a little disappointed he didn't also... Offer up his cat to be in a movie. Oh yeah, that's true. Frida would love being being in a film. Oh, she would. A big diva, I can tell. But I mean, overall, a point down there when every point is crucial just now, massive, and it might even be enough to to do it and and clinch them that playoff spot. That might yeah. already have have been enough, depending how how things played out. But I mean, just overall thoughts. On on the on the performance really, um, not the performance. Uh, whatever they needed to do, they got done. They got a point there, and that I think that's the most important part right now. Uh, we can everybody's going to forget about the performance and just see the result on the pitch. Like, like I said, I think they were a bit fortunate, but they can be, I think, proud of uh, of the result. Well, that's our thoughts on the game. We will be back after the break with the thoughts of Vanny Sartini, Maxime Cripot, 
and Florian Jungwirth. And we'll also take a look around MLS, the standings, and what's coming up on Decision Day. And we will be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kripo from the Vancouver Whitecaps, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Driving down the street I'm bored with looking good I got both hands on the wheel The cops are coming Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the second of tonight's songs from our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN from Jersey City, xylophone garage punk band Crazy and the Brains. And that's actually a cover of a 2000 song from a group called Teddy Bears that featured Iggy Pop. And it's called Punk Rocker. The video is tremendous. Check that out on YouTube. I love the video. It had about 19,000 views the last time that I saw, and I think about a 1,000 of them is just me watching it. But I actually prefer this version to the original. I love Iggy Pop, but the, the lead singer's vocals in this, for me, are just tremendous. Hopefully it's going to be stuck in your head as much as it's been stuck in mine for the last few weeks. That's a new single that's come out. You can check them out, crazyinthebrains.bandcamp.com. They've got all their albums and singles on there. They're Artists of the Month for November and we'll have more of them coming up over the rest of the month. So in the last part, we chatted with our thoughts. We looked at the the Whitecaps draw down in LAFC. Let's kick this part off with the thoughts of head coach Vanny Sertini. What did he make of the game? How nervous was he in those closing minutes and especially when that ball came in and stopped his time? Let's hear now from the gaffer. I can imagine that wasn't a fun game to be watching from the sidelines. You are under siege, but what one hell of a defensive effort from your guys tonight. Yeah, uh, we knew that, uh, you know, for them it was a big game. Uh, they they had the chance to uh, to catch us and uh, and play here. It's it's hard, guys. It's, they have these fans that uh, from minute one and... Uh, my opinion, they influence a little bit of the referee too. All the half and half call there for them every time, and uh, it's okay. It's normal, and uh, it's actually beautiful for the league. So we have very beautiful atmosphere, and um, yeah, uh, we know we know that was this kind of game uh, to suffer, to defend very well, and then to try and counter attack to to exploit them. Uh, we did it very well with the with the goal. We had a couple of chances in the second half. One big one with the, the Deber, another one that with Deber could have crossed. But uh, at the end, they had two, three 
great chances too. The last one at the last minute, uh, I don't know, probably from the bench, we we blew to the ball to put the ball out. <laughs> and uh, and it went well. So I think we deserve it. Well, even if they they put it put effort, we deserve it for the defensive effort. And so uh, we need to finish the job at home. So beautiful. Yeah, that that last chance certainly had a, a few people, I'm sure, with their head in their hands and wondering what was going to happen. But I mean, defensively, as you said, solid. You really struggled, though, to get some stuff done offensively. Was that just the pressure that LA were putting on you, or were you just not able to find the spark tonight? Uh, I think it was the lack of pressure of our strikers. Uh, today, I'm not happy with the, luck, with the pressure of our strikers when they had the ball. We did it only, I think, like uh, 15 minutes in the first half, 15 minutes in the second half. Normally, we're doing 30 minutes and 30 minutes. And uh, today was too easy for them to play uh, with the defenders. And so we won the ball a lot of time, very close to our, to our box and uh, with them counter-pressing us. So I think the main reason was that uh, our pressure wasn't that good. That's great. Thanks so much, Vanny, and good luck on Sunday. Hopefully you can get some good sleep in between now and then. <laughs> I bet that I won't, but it's okay. <laughs> So the gaffer, Vanni Sartini there. Now, obviously, happy with the point. It was, it can't have been fun for him to, to watch that play out on the bench. That, he would have been kicking every single ball, I'm sure. The, the, the thing is, the, the funny thing is, is the what I thought when you said that going into the interview, when, like, how nervous was he um, um, the, into the extra time on that chance? My, like... I, I, I kind of came up to the, that Marvel in the Avengers when Hulk goes, I'm always angry. And Sartini should have just said, I'm always nervous. Yes. That, that would have been the perfect response for that one, that answer, the question. I think with us having seen Whitecaps defences in recent years, it just makes you always nervous. And it, it's yeah. hard. It, it's hard to think of the team as a good defensive team now, just because of some of the stuff that we've seen in recent years. But it's like, I should give them more credit and... The, the the thing is they're 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 giving up shots, but they're not like they're, it doesn't feel like they're like falling apart on the pitch. No, and that's what's happened before. Like the shots have been given up, but they're still in the right locations. They don't make the shots extra easy. Um, there are points when like even the one the goal that they allowed that was more of a scramble off a corner kick. It was like second phase, yeah. and where they had people running around trying to catch up to the ball. Well, I mean, the so, thing is, they were playing so deep and there were a lot of scrambles and there was some good blocks and there were yeah. some saves. Now, that they, isn't sustainable over 90 no, minutes. You can't, no. you can't do that. But, You've got to take the pressure off. But they never gave a goal up in open play. It was no. a second phase of, yeah. a, of a set piece. And, like, part of the problem was that offensively they couldn't get much going. And Vanny said there that the lack yeah. of pressure from the strikers is what kind of led to them being under the cosh so much. Hopefully that is a blip because that was concerning that you're playing a good team and you're struggling to get out. Now, defensively, 
I, I want your want you guys' opinions on it. And those of you listening at home as well, message us on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Let us know your thinks and thoughts on this. Now, defensively, I thought the Whitecaps put in a good defensive shift. And by that, I don't mean, oh, they dealt with everything and they were cool, calm and collected and they didn't allow any chances. I mean, um, I mean they put in a good, hard, hard-working shift. They threw their bodies at the line. They battled for everything. Yeah, there were scrambles. They faced 21 shots, sorry, 25 shots, but they only gave up one goal. So they had eight blocks and there was 10 saves. For me, that is a good defensive outing because they faced so much pressure, but they only gave up one goal. Now, other folk were saying it was a terrible defensive effort because they allowed 25 shots to begin with and Max basically bailed them out. What What's your thoughts on that? The thing is with the goalkeeper, that's Max's job. And he's a defender. The yeah, defense encapsulates the goalkeeper as well. It does. And so the, when people say that they separate the goalie from the defense, I, I don't buy it in this sport. Uh, in other sports like ice hockey, they, you can't say that because the goalkeeper is the last line of defense. And obviously the goalkeeper is here too, but he helps organize the back line and everything as well. He's kind of in concert with the back line. So in this way, yeah, I agree that he's more of a defender uh, slash goalkeeper than just a goalkeeper. Um, but uh, you know, kind of going on what you say there, like, um, like there are examples of where you could give up less shots and still be poor defensively. Um, there, uh, as an example today from one of the games that we'll talk about later, where at one point the team had given up three shots but let three goals in or something like that. Yeah, three shots on goal. To me, that's, that's a terrible defensive effort. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, uh, where it was yeah, three shots on goal for the team and they scored three goals. Um, uh, so that's I, I feel like that's hundred uh, percent poor defensively. Like giving up one goal and ten shots. Yeah, you gave up ten shots and it could have potentially been worse. But if it had been, then that would have been a poor defensive outing. The, to me, the the bigger flaw in the, the defensive aspect of the game isn't the 25 shots. But I understand why people would think that way, Michael. But the bigger flaw was the not doing more to react to their uh, either intentional or situational dropping deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. That was the biggest defensive flaw, I think, in the game well, that, that led to the goal. So to me, it wasn't a... It wasn't an um, uh, amazing defensive performance, but it definitely wasn't horrible because they no, gave up. I, I, I would say hard working and yeah, committed I, by Zach, as, a team as well. By Zach, your description there, I would say it was a poor tactical game instead of a poor defensive oh, game because yeah. they dropped they dropped back so far back, and that caused them to give up so many shots. Would yeah, but you agree? They they, did, uh, I guess they sort of did it in the second half as the game went on as well, but they didn't concede but it didn't feel as deep i guess but yeah but but um, that but what you're saying there because they dropped so far that was a choice on the way they were playing and that's not really defensive that's well, more of deciding like a tactical way to play the game well that's one of the things that i'm not sure and i'm not sure if i've, I've heard enough from vanny to parse out myself but 
from his comments after the game because uh, yeah, Steve, I don't know if it was a. Well, oh, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying the coaches did it. I'm saying like the, the the decision of the players on the pitch to drop so back that was a poor tactical decision on their part. Yeah, but that's the thing is that I don't know how much of it was a decision as opposed to sort of an intentional decision as opposed to reaction to yeah. LA, you know, coming on them so so much. Yeah, yeah. The, their pressure was fantastic. I I just thought that and, to and a then, man they played well, and I think it was summed up as well. Like Ryan Gold had a great defensive tackle in the the closing moments of the game, yeah. And it's like that's what you're wanting when you're under the cost like that. You need your whole team to be able to put their bodies on the line. And I, I felt they did. And, and the eight the, blocks, I think. Yeah, and and, and to follow up on that too, one last thing I wanted to say about that. You could even say because because what you mentioned, Michael, before that they didn't push the ball up forward. That's a poor uh, like either midfield or or breakout kind of a game like the midfield actually was poor because they weren't able to get push the ball forward to the attackers yeah but let's hear a little bit from after the game from Maxim Crapo and Florian Jungworth just talking about the defensive efforts on Tuesday night we've seen some fantastic defensive performances from from the team this season but that it felt you were under siege at times. You just couldn't get out of the final third. But you must be so proud of the, the defensive performance from the whole team. Yeah, correct. Uh, we knew they were throwing everything at us. And uh, we had a good good spells of possession uh, sometimes in the game, you know. Uh, in the first half, the first few minutes, we uh, were in their half, uh, second half. They started strong the first 10, 15, and then we got the possession, a little bit of a, a good spell. But overall, that was the that's the key to to our success is to be a tight team uh, and, and to be difficult to play through. Obviously, LAFC is really good at that, uh, finding pockets in between our lines and in between our players. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a great defense uh, defense performance from from everybody. You know, uh, that's that's really important. And we go back to Vancouver with a, a tie or a, a win against Seattle. We're in. So it's decision day for, for a reason. And it's up to us. Hey Flo, congratulations on what could be an absolutely massive point come full time on Sunday. That defensive performance, we've seen some great defensive play from the team this year, but that was like one hell of a, a great performance from every single player out there. What did it feel like to to be on that pitch? Because it felt like you were kind of under siege a bit at times. Yeah, it was a fantastic fight. Me and LFC, they had a great game. Uh, they have all the big offensive players. They have massive quality on top. We knew that before and they showed it today. And we threw ourselves in every ball and every tackle. We, we fought with everything we had. And I mean, and even when you see the last tackle, Ryan Gold, tackles it and gets the the goal kick for us in our box i think that shows the the mentality and the attitude of the team and of course they had chances but the way we we fought was was just uh incredible and that's why we we deserve a point for our mentality and style of play so maxime crapo and florian young were just talking about the white caps defensive play against lafc so what does all of this mean for the Whitecaps as they head into Decision Day. Well, they are heading into it in the playoff places, and I think two months ago, you'd have been like, wow, what an amazing turnaround. And when you saw this running 
and how tough the games were. And I, I said I didn't fancy them to do it. And they've totally proved me wrong. They, they've gone and got points where I just did not expect them to, to get points. And all you can ask for is that you're still involved or have come your day. place on the last day. But you want yeah. to at least be involved. And that's what they now are. Before we look at the standings, well, look, there was two matches tonight. And SKC, terrible performance against Austin. Although Johnny Russell did get a goal. 3-1 defeat. It's like no one wants first place to, to pretend I'm Gareth Wheeler. But Kansas City could have gone top again and been in first and had a first round by the playoffs and they just blew it against Austin. But to be fair, Austin are a completely different team at home. But yeah, just crazy. But the big match of the night in terms of playoff places, RSL and Portland... A win for RSL would have moved them up to fifth, giving them a little bit of breathing space. And dropped Vancouver down to yep. eighth or something. Vancou- no, Vancouver would have been seventh, so they would still oh, have been hanging on okay. to that final playoff spot. So, I mean, no matter what, the Whitecaps knew they were going to be in the in the playoff places come Sunday. But RSL shat the bed in this one. Yep. They were three down by half time. Blanco got a double. There was an own goal in there. Portland hit the bar a couple of times as well. It it was absolutely a trouncing. And it wasn't that RSL played bad because they had a few chances of their own. Portland were clinical. Yeah, they, they dominated position. RSL dominated. They were like uh, two-thirds of possession. Yeah. Outshot them 7-3. to three. That's the game I was talking about earlier. 7-3, to three, except Portland scored on all three and, and RSL only scored one. Yeah, I, that was that was from the the penalty spot as well, late yep. in the game, and yep. they, I mean they they did their stirring comeback against San Jose, and they tried to get things going after they made it three one, but I mean Portland shut it out. That clinched Portland as a top four team. So my dream stroke fantasy of the Whitecaps maybe getting a home playoff game, which was really far fetched if we're being honest, but at least. It, it kept up to possibly happening until tonight. So, I mean, that was one thing. But let's look at the standings uh, as they currently are. So, the top three battling for first, second and third and home playoff advantage, first round buys. Seattle now, their first, 59 points. Kansas City second on 58 and Colorado third on 58. That is one hell of a battle and sadly means Seattle is going to be fired up when they come to BC Place on Sunday because if they win, then they've got a first round bye. So I, that's I was, not great news. In addition to that though, Mike, I was thinking about this uh, this week since our last show and I think there was no way, there's no way that Seattle is going to arrest players for this game anyways because I so. because yeah, they I, have I, the international I, break and they have two yeah. weeks off. You don't want your players not playing. I totally, I, 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 I think I'm the one that brought that up that they yeah. might want to rest players. But yeah, I don't think anybody's going to want to rest players because you want to keep them in form a little bit. I actually, it kind of actually kind of changed my mind about getting the first round by. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to be that rusty. I know there's an extra, like, could be potentially five games, five days before they actually, an additional five days. I had actually thought that as well because it could yeah. really be a disadvantageous to them. If yeah. they if they're sitting out without well, a game for nearly three weeks, and we've seen it before in these in MLS playoffs, that it yeah. not been especially the one game knockout. Yeah, I mean, how many times have the team that finished first in the conference, especially in the East, 
completely then blown it when it gets to the playoffs. But and I think yeah. the rest has hindered them. Yeah, maybe that's why nobody wants to win it. Yeah, maybe. So Portland now guaranteed to be fourth, fifty-two points. They're six off Colorado in third, so they can't catch them. But they're four clear of Minnesota in fifth, so they can't be caught. So the top yeah. four done and dusted apart and l- from positioning. And luckily for us, Portland's not playing anybody important on decision day. Yeah, so, so they don't, if they're as players, it doesn't matter. So yeah. now we get to the tasty stuff. Minnesota, they're fifth on 48 points, 13 wins. Vancouver, they're sixth on 48 points, 12 wins. LA, 47 points in seventh, 13 wins. Salt Lake, 45 and eighth, 13 wins. LAFC, 45 in ninth place, 12 wins. So you've got three points separating five teams. And looking at it, the Whitecaps, if they get a draw or a win, they're in. So that's guaranteed. But they could also be in as things currently stand. So so let's look at what's on the slate for Super Sunday, Decision Day. All the games kick off at at 3pm Pacific time, or 3.08, as it'll probably be. So Colorado play LAFC. So you've got Colorado trying to get first, second. If they have to be third, they finish third. So they're at home. Their form at home is good. They've only lost one game at home all season. LAFC battling for three points. I don't think they do it. I no. don't see LAFC going there and taking three points. Not, not. Uh, but you never know too, because they, they, ha- they have they, they kind of a team that that you don't expect to win on the road, but sometimes they do pull it out. They're a very odd team. That's yeah. why they've had such an up and down season. Um, yeah. I so guess with Vela being back, he but, could be the difference maker. But the thing is, is uh, they need a win. They can't even settle yep. for a draw at this point. I mean, if Colorado. Well, if LAFC draw or lose... They're 46. Yep, they can't catch the white caps. Yeah. So that's one of the, the, the two... You, we need to knock two teams out, and that would be one of them gone. Uh, Michael, they can't even make the playoffs if they draw. They can't even catch the Galaxy. Oh, yes, actually, that's yeah. true. Yeah, so yeah. they have Yeah, they have to go for the win. And, and if, they leave, for... if they leave gaps at the back, they are going to be punished. Yeah. And then the same thing for Salt Lake. Salt Lake is in the same position as Yeah, because they play... Sport in Kansas City. So it's kind of ironic that the two teams that are currently out with the playoff places, both needing wins to get into the playoff places, are playing teams that are sitting second and third just now. I don't think either of those teams are going to get the wins that they need, which would mean the Whitecaps are already a playoff team, no matter what happens on Sunday. Yeah. And the, and the other one uh, that you would bring up is the Galaxy versus Minnesota. Yes. That's another one that if Minnesota wins... Um, that one, a draw would get the Galaxy past the Whitecaps, but if Minnesota wins, uh, that's another team that couldn't pass the Whitecaps either. Yeah. So, so any, it's, it's any, looking great. Any combination of two of those three teams, LA, uh, Colorado, Kansas City, and Minnesota, any two of those win, and the Whitecaps are in. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, what I think, what I think is going to happen. <laughs> what I think is going to happen is the Whitecaps are going to lose the game to Seattle. And yet, yeah, one of those or two of those things are going to uh, go their way uh, out of town. And so you're going to have the Whitecaps losing, Seattle hoisting the Cascadia Cup, and the fans celebrating a playoff victory or playoff entry, which is going to be the most, I think, Whitecap, or not the most, <laughs> a very, very Whitecaps scenario. No, I think I think they could pull a draw. I think they can pull a draw. Yeah, I think they as could well. as well. I, I, yeah. I think it could be 1-1, but... 
What like one thing I would say though is in some ways you've got to look at who you might be playing in the in the playoffs because if they end up finishing sixth and if everything stayed as it is, they'd be going to Kansas City. I don't know that you want that, but at the same time, you don't want to beat Seattle and then end up playing Seattle. I I'd be happy with Colorado or Portland in the first round, to be honest. Uh, uh- I honestly don't think it makes a difference who they face in that first round. Like, it's not going to be easy. Even going down to Portland, um, they've they, how often do they win two teams in Portland in the MLS era? Mm-hmm. So that's not going to be easy as well. So I, I, I think really it's just about making the playoffs and just uh, playing. Actually, they should play with nothing to lose. And that yeah. might be the, that might make them a very dangerous team at that Which point. Which I, I think is how they will play. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what you're expecting from this one. There was only one change to the starting lineup for LAFC, and that was Eric Doy that that came in for Ranko. And I was happy to see that when I saw the lineup. But Godoy had an awful outing. I don't know that he actually starts on Sunday. I think you no, might I, actually put Ranko in. No, I wouldn't start Godoy at all. So you might be looking at the back three of Ranko and Flo and Jake again, and yeah, be happy with that. Yeah. I think you guys are right. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think there'll be much change actually from from that team, apart from probably Godoy. Yeah, because for the for the first time in a long time, they have a week off. Yeah, and it's it, they're going to be rested. They're going to be up for this. It's, they're at home. They're going to be buzzing. It's going to be so exciting. Let's just hear a little bit of final audio now from Maxime Crapo and Florian Jungwert, just looking forward to that game on Sunday. I think the way that this season's gone and how tight it is in the West, it was never going to be easy. It's never going to be straightforward. Uh, it wasn't going to probably go down to the wire. But looking ahead to this game on Sunday, obviously it's huge. The, the one point tonight might even still be enough to, to get you guys in. But how do you approach that game on Sunday? Because obviously a point is enough, but you know how dangerous Seattle can be. You can't just try and get a point, but at the same time, you can't leave gaps at the back when they've got all their dangerous guys back. Correct. I don't, I don't nobody in the locker room or in the organization is looking for a draw uh, next Sunday. You know, we always say, um, we'll analyze this game for sure, work on, on stuff that we can do better. Um, but we're not playing for a draw. We're playing for a win. That's our mindset. And we're going back to BC place where we, our record shows that we are, we are a good home team. So uh, the next thing now for us is to 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 regroup, recover uh, really well, and then prepare Seattle. Obviously, they're they're a really good team. Uh, there's no lie about that. We know that they have uh, good players, quality players, and depth around their squad. So it's up to us, and it's a perfect way to end the season on a good note uh, to get a win at BC place. On a personal level. It's been such a difficult season and I think a lot of people probably wrote the team off months ago but you've shown that fighting spirit to to still even be in with a chance to to get to the playoffs and a very good chance of getting to the the playoffs in the postseason. What has this meant to you, just how this team's performed in in the last couple of weeks? It's amazing to see uh, how the team uh, react when we came back from, from Salt Lake. 
and how we we stuck together uh we fight for each other and honestly uh, uh, team chemistry is, is so important in this league and we had a few addition to this team that make the difference at the end of the day as well and that adds up death in our squad and with a quality players so um we all know that we uh we can achieve it we believe it from within the group and that's the most important thing and it's totally in your own hands now going into sunday I mean, the point that you got tonight still might even be enough, depending on how other results go. But I asked Max this as well. It's a difficult game to go into because you know a point's enough. But you also know that Seattle's got dangerous guys that if you just try and defend, that they can really bring you down. What does the mindset have to be going into Sunday now? Um, same, same as usual. I think we shouldn't change anything, despite obviously the... the the fact that we we are in with a point but we go we go as you if we when we play at home we want to win we we press the opponent as as we do usual and we we try to win our duels our second balls and of course Seattle is a top team they play for being first so to skip the first round so they will go for it as well but I don't think we will we'll play for a point maybe obviously when the game goes longer and it would be tie obviously then you make adjustments to to keep the point but we go in the game to to win. So if we were just drop and defend against a team like Seattle, you can't do that for 90 minutes. You gotta be active and you gotta create chances. And that's what we're gonna do. So Max and Flo talking about the big battle, the Cascadian battle, decision day. They're up for it. You you know they're gonna be up for it. You know the whole team's gonna be up for it. I really hope they get a good crowd in a at BC place. It'd be nice to to get the numbers turning out for that and cheering the guys on I know there's people that aren't wanting to go back until all the abuse stuff sorted out and I totally understand that why would you want to give the club your money at this point but you do want to cheer them on at the same time it's, it's torn for, for a number of folk let's get your predictions just to, to end this, this little bit I've stated my 1-1 one, one. I'll go then I'll go nil nil. That'd be a horrible way to end the season. I know. But I, I, I think it's going to be like, I'll give the Caps a goal. I'll say it like 3 1 Seattle. And last question Do the White Caps make the playoffs? Well, like I already said, I think even though they lose, I think the other things that happen elsewhere are going to Ooh. enable them to be in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I think I. I like when we talked about the playoffs like a weeks ago, I said that they'd be definitely in the hunt at this point. And I I think I thought that they wouldn't make the playoffs at, mm. back then. And I think they are at this point going to make the playoffs. It'd be very hard. Like I couldn't, I don't see Colorado or Kansas City losing to these in, at home to these games in their final games yeah. of the year. And I think they will. Um, I, I've said this before. It's one of my old favorite gags on the show. I bet my house on it. And I don't own my house, so they better win. But let's see how Sunday plays out. We will be back with a show at the weekend with covering all the action and also bringing you a good interview that I had today with Colin Elms and Will Cromack from TSS Rovers chatting about League One BC and share fan ownership of the team as well. But that is it for the Whitecaps chat. That is it for the MLS chat. We're going to be looking around the rest of Canadian soccer after this.
Hi, I'm Dana Kleineken. I'm uh, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, one of one of the great productions that we have in Canada. Some were born ready, some were born ready, some were porn ready Before they could even hold the baby Some were rock steady, some were hot and heavy Some were not many, some were buried already Some were slept on, some were well known Some were kept home, some were read poems And some penned their own In the summer, some were troublesome Under the southern sun, cause some are scum and sun I'm one dumb, some are very slum Some were edible, some were mental Some were feral, some feral, but some impregnable some effable, some sexual, some terrible And some, some mind you, some were wearable Some put you on a pedestal, some on a shelf Some had no sense of self, some moved heaven and hell Some were a detriment to your health And some were just something else Some 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 and Some were just something else Some Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM And kicking off this part, it's been a few shows since we had any Scottish rap So had to get another song in, getting withdrawal symptoms I'm sure you all were too That was Glasgow rapper there Mog, with his single that he released in September called some and some are something else and when you get to this stage of the season it it really is something else with all these teams battling and we've talked a lot about Whitecaps we've talked a lot about MLS but I want to turn our attention to the rest of football in Canada in this part of the show just to to round this episode up and let's kick things off in the Canadian Premier League because there's seven games left of the regular season and there's still all to play for for six of the eight teams. Edmonton and Ottawa already eliminated from postseason contention but the other six, I mean, they're all in with a chance and this past weekend was a roller coaster for the, the team's chances. Just to to give you a quick recap in case you haven't been following along in the action. Saturday saw a triple header and it started off with Forge beating Halifax 4-1 to move into second place and leave the Wanderers playoff chances kind of teetering a little bit on the brink. Next up, Valor stunned Calgary 4-2, their first ever win over them. And Cavalry would have gone top with a win, but they ended up staying third but Valor's win sent Phil DeSantis' side into the fourth playoff spot, albeit temporarily. But, I mean, when you look that Phil DeSantis took over Valor on September the 23rd. He's been in charge for nine games. They've only lost twice in the last seven of those games. Three wins, two draws in amongst that. It's seen Valor climb the table as York United and Halifax Wanderers have kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch. Back-to-back wins have seen Valor recover some of their early season form, which, if you remember the kickoff tournament that seems so long ago now, they stormed out of the gate and kept clean sheet after clean sheet and racked up the points. And yes, 
All those games were played in Winnipeg, so they had home field advantage. But you still have to get the results, you still have to get the job done. Then they just had a horrible run of form. It saw Rob Gale sacked as their head coach and general manager. Phil DeSantis took over, and he's got them back into playoff contention. With one game left next Saturday, is he running out of time? Well, I want to play a little bit of audio now because I, I jumped on the, the post-game call on Saturday with Phil DeSantis after that win over Cavalry just to, to get his thoughts on his team's chances and the turnaround that he has seen at the club since he took over. Here's what he had to tell me. When you look at the last couple of weeks and you've seen Halifax drop points, you've seen York drop points, I think a lot of people probably wrote Valor off, but what was your message to the team when you're watching all that play out? The same, the same I've been I've been mentioning. As long as you're not mathematically out, you cannot stop. I've seen crazy things in 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 football. So that's been our message. And it's been it's been easy to to pass it across. I think that. It's always about how you you step in the facility on a daily basis, and and if the coach believes and feeds that belief, and the staff does the same, everyone that walks in the building on on a daily basis uh, carries that mentality. Then it's easier for the players to to still believe, and that's what we preach. That's what we say. We say if people want to write us off. Or, or out of a playoff spot, let them do it. We cannot approach the, the next few games with, with that in mind. We need to keep pushing and we need to keep doing our job. And if, if we do, then maybe, maybe um, good things are going to happen. So that's that's how they, they go about it. And that's how we go about it. And uh, it's not done yet. We still have another game. So we, we, we really need to recover the guys and and know that we're going to a place that is a very difficult place to play at. So that's what, what uh, our mindset is going to be about this week. Valor obviously started the, the season so strongly and you don't become a bad team overnight, but for whatever reason, obviously things weren't clicking. Rob went, you came in really late in the season. What is it that you've done to kind of reignite the team and get them back firing on all cylinders? I can't really talk about what was before. I have to focus on what my approach was. And I had, and I think I said this already to, to media, I had two immediate, two immediate uh, elements that I knew I could affect right away. And it was the mentality of the players, making sure that they played with intensity, with belief, with um, the ability to be in the opposition's face and not give the opposition's time and space on the ball um, and train according to that. And then it was to settle things in the way we defended, in the way we pressed, and what were the references of pressure? When do we want to step? When do, do we want to keep our lines lower on the field? So... Uh, we kept things extremely simple and we made sure that the players understood exactly what we wanted them to do. And the response has been good. So it's easier when you get results because then you don't feel forced to, to change too much. And then in the process of acquisition from the players, everything becomes more and more clear because they train something, they experience it in the game, there's feedback and 
the team looks more comfortable in what we've asked them to be about. Cheers, Phil. Good luck next Saturday. Michael, thank you. Nice seeing you. Phil DeSantis there just talking about Valor's chances and can they make it to the postseason? It would be a great run. It would be a fantastic thing for Phil. Really rooting for him. Would love him to secure that fourth spot and, and get Valor into the postseason. But their place in the top four was to prove to be short-lived and it might now be a tough order for them to secure that postseason berth because York United went to the island and stunned Pacific FC 2-1 on Saturday afternoon. It was a game with some controversy and should they have been sending off? Should they have been penalties given? But ultimately, Pacific in their last home game of the regular season, potentially their last home game of the year, squandered a chance to extend their lead at the top and all but really assure a home playoff game. And now they're kind of fighting for that and they're in for a battle. It was a tough 2-1 loss against a York side that just played out their skin and full credit and that they got the three points. And that now means York are sitting in fourth on 36 points. They've got two home games left, both of those against Forge. No guarantees that they're going to take points from those ones. Valor are fifth on 34 points with a game at Edmonton this coming Saturday. Have to fancy Valor to get that done, but obviously Alan Koch and Edmonton's going to want to go out with a bang and, and finish the season on a high in front of their home fans. Halifax are on sixth now on 34 points because of the tiebreaker. And they've got a home game left on Sunday with Ottawa, which again, you have to fancy them to take the three points. So a Valor win and a Halifax win would mean that Valor are hanging on to that fourth and final playoff spot by one point. And then York basically just need to get two points from their final two games to, to get into the, the postseason. You've got to say that they're favourites and it's going to be one hell of a battle for that fourth and final playoff spot. But it's also going to be one hell of a battle at the top for playoff positioning and home semi-final advantage as well. Right now, Pacific still out in front, 45 points, one game left at Cavalry on Sunday. Massive game, should be an absolute cracker. Forge... Sitting second, one point behind, but four games left to play. And, I mean, you've got to fancy them now to, to finish the season in first, get that home semi-final, and if they win that, host the championship game as well. Cavalry, though, third and 44 points. They've two massive games left. They've got Pacific on Sunday, and then Forge on November the 16th. It's not ideal having to wait that long to play that final game. That, of course, is due to Forge's success this season in the CONCACAF League, the Canadian Championship. But, I mean, ultimately, you can look at it that for Cavalry, the playoffs start now, because they're fighting just now for home field advantage. They want to get on a run. Maybe this works in their favour. Well, that's a question I put to Cavalry head coach Tommy Bielden Jr., after their last game at the weekend against Valor. Here's what he had to tell me. You've got two really tough games, obviously, coming up to, to finish the season. 
is the mindset for you now that you're just approaching it that the playoffs are basically just starting now? Yeah. No, I mean, we, we, we want a home berth. We, you know, as much as it doesn't pay you much other than having a, you know, a first versus fourth um, game, until the league says, right, first place in the, in the league gets CONCACAF berth, we'll still pursue first place because I think it's a tradition that we'll always want to win every game that we play in. But having said that, even if we finish fourth, if we win our playoff games, that's all that people matter. We'd love to have an opportunity to be here. We are in a playoff mindset, so we're trying to get into our best thing. But the kick up the ass, I would rather it now. And sometimes you need that loss to learn. We're unbeaten in six before this. So to get this, like I said, it's just that little bit of a, a prod to say, okay, we need to be better because... Now Pacific will be, you know, salivating because we beat them last time. And Forge are terrific. They've, both those teams there have had, you know, you've got to go through them if you're going to win it this year, either of them. So the fact that we get a dress rehearsal is great because even if we win both, we still have to win whoever we play against in, in the playoffs. And this league has been about going back and forth, back and forth. And um, like I've said many times in this press conference, we didn't get too high on the undefeated streak and we don't get too lost when we lose the odd one. I think, what's that, our sixth loss all season? These lads have been through a lot, so we'll just focus on what will make it better and approach it into the next game. Obviously, the, the fixtures are really weird this season because of Forge's involvement. It's a strange year. Do you like having the, these games and then another game and then straight into the playoffs or would you prefer to have a week i know you can't do anything about it to kind of get your guys a little bit healthy yeah i mean because of forge's success that's really screwed it for us because I, i'd have preferred a good week before because you you need a week if you're going into playoffs the reality is we're not um and that's only due to the circumstances we had with starting late in the bubble with forge's schedule log jammed and you know but you can't make excuses, you just got to play. So sometimes uh, we had a full week to prepare for Valor. Valor played midweek and they kept that run going and you'd have said we were better prepared. The game doesn't often work like that. So I think this year out of anything, we've got to be um, able to adapt to whatever the circumstances are and, and just play because I don't think there's one clear route to success. We've just got to be versatile to what's put in front of us. So Tommy Fielding Jr. there just talking about cavalry and it would be nice for them to get a little bit of a break before the playoffs begin games are coming thick and fast but you know what i think this could work to their advantage pacific's going to maybe be a little bit cold having a week off could get them healthy sometimes i do feel it's better not to have these bye weeks having the rest and just to keep going and pushing through obviously though this is a strange season and not everything is as a normal season would play out. But very exciting end to the CPL regular season and I just can't wait for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that the the league as a whole will be really encouraged by how their changes have, I think, made the end of the season exciting for the vast majority of the league or three quarters of the league. Uh, I, I mean, personally, I, I'm still... a, a uh, a traditionalist, if you will, or whatever. Like I prefer a single table, no playoffs, and you know, have some kind of other other competition at the end, like a, a separate cup competition. But I mean, I think what they've done is working for the culture that they're in, and I think it's been really positive. And and these these race this these races uh, for who's going to finish first and who's going to get the fourth spot have been, I think, really intriguing. And these matches have been like uh, unpredictable to say the, to say the <laughs> least. Yeah, 
I, the worst thing, Steve, would have been if the top four had gone out of sight and it's like the last few weeks had nothing to play for. Now we're going right down to the wire. Yeah, that's the best part of it. It's almost like a decision day. Uh, the only problem is not all the teams are playing it. None of the teams are playing at the same yeah. time. Decision Otherwise, it'd days. be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, decision week or something they want to call it. Um, uh, uh, and that's where it's just it's just probably in, it, if this keeps continuing like this in a, in a couple of years, one of those decision days will be very exciting, and it'll, it'll be it'll have everything down to the wire. Yeah, especially when relegation, if relegation ever comes into play. Uh, that'll make it really exciting because right now, two I think two of the teams uh, are just not in it at all. But that's that's pretty good considering um, that you know you have six of the uh, you have seventy five percent of the league basically in a chance to shut out for playoff spots. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Now Pacific, of course, were in action on Wednesday night in the Canadian Championship. Brave fight back from Pamadou's lads, but they ended up falling at BMO Field two one. Two first half goals from TFC at one point made it look like they, they could be out of sight and it, it could really get out of hand. But Pacific fought back, pulled one back, albeit against a run of play, but they went for it in the closing minutes. Could have come away with the draw, taking it to penalties. It wasn't to be, but a great run for Pamadou Cars men. And in both those semi finals, we saw CPL teams go toe to toe with an MLS side, but already seen Pacific put out an MLS side, and I think it just all bodes well for what the CPL are building here, and just just so disappointing that they just couldn't get into the final, and also disappointing, the crowd at BMO Field, really terrible crowd for this one, and yeah, just a, a disappointing night all round. Yeah, heart like heartbreaking for Pacific. Uh, I think it was you know they they battled well uh, and they got a, a really quality nice goal you know a good team goal and just unfortunately a couple of moments in the first half let let them down. But I mean on the whole, uh, a really uh, encouraging cup run, an exciting cup run, and you know for the club a historic uh, cup run that they'll I think look back on fondly in in the years ahead. Yeah, and it's just a matter of uh, it's 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 they're it's almost like the uh, last couple of years have been kind of a trial run, and this is really their first year into the foray of being at the top of the league, mm. and and it's just a matter of uh, yeah, it's just for me, it's just scheduling. Like you, you're playing on the west coast, you're traveling all the way to the east, and it 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 takes a toll, especially on a short rest and everything. Um, for you know the fight back, I watched the game and then I saw the highlights. You would ex- you, you expected like two different things. Like the way TSN showed the highlights and everything, uh, Pacific had didn't have to touch the ball at all during the whole game. That's how the like they didn't even frame it as being a competitive game. They just framed it just to get it out of the way so they could move on to the next story. Well, I mean the commentary at one point, it it was like I tweeted out it was like TFC fan TV because Terry Dunfield was like, oh I always remember how happy and the look on Josie Outdoor's face when he scored against that Montreal once, and it's like what. What are you going on about? But yeah, I mean, a disappointing crowd. That's my big thing. The CSA have to market this tournament better. And I think having these games at this point of the season doesn't help with that. But hopefully down the road, they, they can kind of get something better done. Because I, I just I want the country to back this tournament and see how good a tournament it can be. Once again, sound down. <laughs> um... 
yeah i i actually had some of the sound on but i wasn't really listening <laughs> listening to it. i was trying to ignore the sound um but uh no it's it, um yeah i got i got tagged in some tweet about the, about the attendance being less or is similar to or maybe less than swan guard back in the day yeah in a much obviously much bigger stadium but um some yeah. folks were saying the tfc fans were kind of it was a protest for the owners and making change to show that they won't put up with stuff but I, I don't know. It's like it's a yeah. cup semi final. It's your only chance to win something this year. Yeah, good Surely job on protesting. Yeah, good job on protesting the team in this in this game, not the MLS. Yeah, team. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's when you would want to do something like that, and you'd want to make it more clear, and you want to make it more. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. What wasn't disappointing though was on Tuesday night as Forge FC made history. I mean, they are the history makers in the Canadian Premier League. They kept that going in Hamilton on Tuesday in the CONCACAF League. Second leg of their game with Santos from Panama. They headed into this one 3-1 down from the first leg, but they had that crucial away goal. And I always fancied them to score in this one, and if they could get the first goal, go on to get the win. And that's exactly what they did. Omer Brownie reduced the deficit overall in the tie to one in the 28th minute. Then Mo Babuli, a lovely strike to put Forge ahead in the tie midway through the second half. Then with eight minutes remaining, Joshua Navarro sealed the deal. And at the third time of asking, Forge have won a spot in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. The first Canadian Premier side that's going to be playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. I take my hats off to Bobby Smirniotis and his team. Absolutely fantastic performance from them. So let's just hear a little bit off the post-game audio just now from Bobby Smyrniotis. Obviously cock-a-hoop after that one and his team just keep making history. Uh, congratulations, Bobby, on a fantastic victory and performance tonight and also qualifying for the, the Champions League for the first time. This is a tournament that's meant so much to you and your team over the recent years. You've come so close. What's the emotions like for you right now? Yeah, just fantastic. You know, we talked about it uh, before this, uh, before the game, it being uh, the most important game that we've played as a club in uh, in our history, and just how much it would uh, it would mean to us. Uh, not just uh, qualifying for for Champions League, but moving on in this tournament. You know, there's a trophy in this tournament. Uh, we're now in the semifinals, and uh, and we keep on going, and. Uh, you know, the players are, are, are superheroes. They're playing every three days. They're going through emotional roller coasters in different competitions. And all the credit goes to them. They've been absolutely fantastic. And uh, and we keep on going. You've alluded to it off the top there. But, you know, this team is three years old. And you've made a bit of a name for yourselves in CONCACAF. Now you're going to the Champions League. Do you have maybe a sense immediately here of just how special that is? Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, for the first time in three years, I've shown a little bit more emotion after a game and, and celebrating with our fans. You know, I'm not a guy who gets uh, too excited. Uh, you've probably seen us win uh, two uh, North Star Shields. And uh, yeah, I'm excited in the moment. But uh, this one meant a lot. You know, continental football, it's special. You know, we've got two trophies in the case. And of course, we're going to go for a third. Um, but this is there's something different about these games. There's something different uh, about the challenge, the intensity, everything that goes into it also uh, for us as a coaching staff, because everything is a, is a little bit new. And then you look at it and you say, you know, we're making one step uh, each year. And last year hurt, 
You know, last year I heard a lot of guys in this room and everyone in the because we were so close. And to come back in this in this next year and do it, it's it's absolutely fantastic because this competition is a privilege. You know, it comes with being the champion of uh, of the Canadian Premier League. You know, it's not your right to uh, compete in Concacaf League, so you got to take your opportunities. And that's the one thing we talked about with these guys. And you know, I don't know uh, how big it is, but uh, we'll know down the line in, in the future. But I think for a club and and what we've uh, what we've accomplished, you know, year after year. It just keeps on getting better. So I'm absolutely proud of uh, of my staff, um, the management, uh, everyone down to every uh, single player. Because uh, it's been uh, it's been a great ride, and we keep on going. Bobby Smirniot is there, and I guess the question to ask you guys is, what does this mean to the Canadian Premier League in terms of putting that league on the map, making them seen around Concacaf? as a, a viable league and a competitive league. And in, in Forge's terms, what what does that mean for, for their recruitment? I mean, Bobby Smyrniotis has done a, a great job there. His stock and standing as well is through the roof just now and probably deserves to, to have a, a bigger outlet. But, I mean, he's happy there. That This can only be fantastic for the league and for Forge. Yeah, I'm, it could be massive for recruitment in terms of getting in players who want to be, you know, in that in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, I haven't heard, you know, the CPL has a salary budget or salary cap. I don't know how this impacts that or shapes that. And if it did even for this year to allow Forge to have extra the way it does in MLS, um, because we know CPL has tried to take the best parts of what MLS has done well and um, and add to it and build off of it. And so I don't know what the, what the, the mechanisms they put in place for that, but you're right. This could be a draw for players. Um, it is uh yeah. Kudos to four. I and mean, we forge is not the, the side that, you know, that I don't think any of us here are like, like, like the, the team or oh, cheer for them or root for them or whatever, but I really like Bobby. I, I, oh yeah. Bobby's I call, great. Like, Oh, Bobby's great. Some of their supporters are great. Yeah. Some of their players are great. But it oh, is... Yeah. Yeah. But for, for Bobby to do what he's done in youth football in this country with Sigma and then to get this opportunity and to grab it with both hands and just do so well, it's, I'd, I'd just yeah. love to see that. He's such yeah, a great no. coach. I'm totally happy for him. I'll, he's also like a doppelganger from, from one of my cousins. <laughs> Especially when he had the the big beard last last I know, year. I was trimmed a bit now. It's yeah, not you, quite the same. It was like yeah, it's like looking at looking at a picture of my cousin. Um, but no, he um, yeah, happy for happy for him. And yeah, they've done well. Like it's 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 a great achievement. And it only took three years, which might you know might sound like not, not that short of a time or whatever. But I I don't know. It's encouraging that it's happened so quickly. So well done to Forge there. Was delighted that they got the job done on Tuesday night. Wish them all the best in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. Looking forward to it already. Love that competition, as regular listeners will know. But that is pretty much it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. But we can't leave you without this week's wavelength. And for this episode, we're going back to a band that we've played before this year. From their 2014 album... Random Football Musings Set to Music. This is an Irish band called My Brother Woody. And this is a song about really what I like to see in football games, especially if your team's the, the underdog. You go out there 
If your opponent's got a top guy, you take him out of the game early, you let him know you're there. This is my brother Woody with a song called Early Reducer. brother Woody, early reducer. That's what it's all about. If you're the underdog, hopefully we'll see that in some FA Cup ties that this weekend that, that's coming up. You want to go out there, you want to make the opposition think. Maybe that's what the Whitecaps need to do on Sunday, just to guarantee that they do get that one point they need. Go out there, give a little kick to, to Rui Diaz. Make him think, yeah, I'm in for a game here. Be the early reducer. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online and anything that you learned this week or any final thoughts, Steve. Uh, my, you can find me on Twitter at Whitecap Speed. 
And what I learned this week is there needs to be a new award for the Whitecaps, M-E-B-P. And, and essentially that stands for most expensive bench player uh, because they've had a run of those kind of players on the bench. So this year it would obviously go to Lucas Cavallini. Oh, and they're, they're increasing the value. Of it. I mean, folks say they don't increase the value. They're increasing that value. Steve, his pre- previous winners would have yeah. been Freddie Montero, Breck Shea. Um, I think there's been some other ones in yeah, the past. Yeah, they're blowing this out of the water now. Like, I think it, even even if you think of it, 2012, it would have been Eric Hasley because they just kept him on the bench all the time. And some of it was because he took so many cards. Let's hope it's not Ryan Gold 2022. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, for me, you can find me at Zachary AM on Twitter. Uh, two two quick things for this week. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, one of our listeners, a guy named Rob, Rob Hugendorn. Uh, this week, I was uh, driving back. Uh, I was driving east in the, in the Fraser Fraser Valley, and I uh, my tire blew out, and I was on the side of Highway Highway One, and I needed to replace a tire uh, from a vehicle that I've never done that before with a hidden spare tire and all these fun things. And uh, as I was getting uh, the process, starting the process of doing it, uh, a, a gentleman with some other workers on the side of the highway doing some work for the Ministry of Transportation, uh, this guy just came up to me and said, uh, do you need some help? I said, uh, sure. And he said, you're Zach, right? And I said, yeah, who, who are you? <laughs> and he said, oh, my name's, my name's Rob. He's like, I know you from AFTN and um, I listened to the show. And then I also know him from... Um, uh, from a football, a local, uh, a local football league uh, that uh, I used to be a part of, and um, and then he knows my wife's cousin and all this kind of stuff. Anyways, Rob was um, extremely generous with his time and his uh, uh, his know how <laughs> in the tight space we had between the, the traffic whizzing by and where this tire. Oh wow, that's yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. how far how far east were you in the uh, Fraser Valley? Because uh, like, were you like bike? No, no, I, I was just, I was just, actually, I was going eastbound Highway 1. I was just... Oh, eastbound. Of, okay. Yeah. I thought you said you I was, were east on, east in the Fraser Valley. I go, how far? Sorry. No, I was going, I was going east in the Fraser Valley. I was, I was okay. just east of 264. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But it was, if it, it was not, not fun. And Rob, Rob made it a lot, a lot easier. Yeah. So shout out to Rob. Also, uh, shout out to uh, the 21-year-old Alfonso Davies. He's not 15-year-old Alfonso Davies. He's... No, he's 21. No, no, he's 15-year-old. I remember reading that. What? I remember reading he was 15-year-old, Alfonso Davies. He just had his birthday yesterday. But he's 15-year-old, Alfonso Davies. No, he's 21. But he doesn't age. (laughs) Actually, he does if you look at the pictures. He's a lot more muscular. Yeah, he looks a completely different player. (laughs) Yeah, he's a lot more muscle on it now. Yeah, he he uh, he looks like he's uh, in good. He's got one more game before the national team games, and he's yeah. uh, he's in good form. I hope I have another. What time is it? Message for you guys this this Saturday. Oh man, yeah. Do you just yeah. have those uh, scheduled messages now? <laughs> well, I have to reschedule because Europe's ahead of us, right? Yeah, I'm going on a call with Alfonso on Thursday morning, so looking forward to that. Yeah, ask him how, what it's like to be a 15 year old in the Bundesliga. See how that goes. I will do. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like, follow, subscribe, turn on notifications, all that malarkey on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Two things that I learned this week. One, I learned who won Celebrity Treasure Island, that New Zealand show I've been watching. It was Chris. Amazing. He was out of it. He looked done and dusted. And like the white caps, he came good at the last minute. 
and won the treasure and won $100,000 for his charity. So well done, Chris Parker. I'm sure he never thought he would get a shout-out on a Canadian soccer show, but there you go. And the other thing I learned this week is it doesn't matter how well you do in Major League Soccer, how many goals you score, you're still not going to get picked for Scotland. Sorry, Johnny. Anyway, that is it for this week's show. We'll be back at the weekend. As always, thank you so much for listening. Take care, stay safe, and mourn the caps. Let's make the playoffs. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.